Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Free Kick Week 2 of Return of Action for the show. We have so much going on. Right in the middle of recording last week, Davis, we had a bunch of uh, leagues officially announced that they were all returning. So we're getting England back, we're getting Italy back, and we're getting Spain back with La Liga. Um, First of all, how happy are you for everything to return? Because now it's just not the focus on the Bundesliga. I mean, even Portugal as well, um, and all these other little lower leagues but now we get all the top dogs back in this oh it's it's beautiful man we it, it was supposed to be the summer of soccer for some different reasons you know we were supposed to have euro 2020 obviously we were going to have the mls going on at the same time which uh you know it's for i i love the mls actually not, okay. not there there are not a ton of people who watch the european <laughs> leagues and the mls but i i actually do really enjoy uh the mls but we're gonna we're gonna have the summer of soccer for an entirely different reason now, which is uh, there is pretty much every day from June 11th until I'll say August 1st, uh, granted, you know, kind of depending on how things go, we're going to have soccer every single day, multiple hours a day, multiple games a day. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have Spain going, we're going to have Germany ending their season here in about a month. Uh, Then we have, I think there is, eight game weeks left of the English Premier League season. I'm not I'm not 100% on that. You can fact check me on that, but we are we are going to have soccer back on our TVs uh pretty much every day for the foreseeable future and that's uh that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I mean, there's so many different games and and even cup matches too to include cuz that's where Italy's going to yep. start off with. The FA Cup still has a few games left to decide some things. Um, and, and there's a couple of tight races, right? I mean, Italy is, is a little bit tighter at the top this late into the season than usual. Um, La Liga is a pretty tight-knit group. I know Barcelona started slowly pulling away after uh, they had a good result in El Clasico. So that's something to look forward to. But this past week, um, how did you do? So DFS-wise, betting-wise, did things go your way? Um, did things not go your way? Because that the Borussia Dortmund game, I mean, for, for a while there, you thought they weren't going to do anything against Paderborn, and then all of a sudden they explode. Jaden Sancho was just absolutely ridiculous in the second half. So, uh, yeah, so how'd you do? Did you make some money? Yeah, DFS went pretty well because uh, because of my boy Jaden Sancho. Uh, he <laughs> was one of the most expensive players on the slate on uh, on that Sunday slate, and he, as a result of that, you know, a lot of people rostered um, Thorgan Hazard, and uh, you know, on that uh, on that specific slate, you know, there were just some other guys for people to take. Uh, a lot of people rostered the forwards from Borussia Mönchengladbach, so Alessane Plea and Marcus Thuram. Uh, Plea and Thuram both had good games. Uh, they just didn't have hat tricks with an assist as well, which is what Jaden Sancho was able to do in that game because, uh, you know, that's uh, that's just what Jaden Sancho is going to do against relegation fodder like that. So, uh, you know, I, I think we have to be I think we have to, uh, you know, just acknowledge that uh, he was he was injured for a while. Uh, but things uh, things definitely did work out for him. Uh, a bet that I really liked this week actually played out, which was Eintracht Frankfurt on the road 
um, against Werder Bremen, they were getting plus money on the FanDuel and DraftKings Sportsbook. So uh, in those uh, in those matches, you you could have wagered you could have wagered on Eintracht Frankfurt at about plus one twenty five in those contests, and you know that was just one of my that was just one of my favorite bets because I, you know, I think Eintracht Frankfurt is, uh, you know, just a ridiculously talented team. I think Philip Kostic is really underrated. I, I wonder actually if we will see Philip Kostic after this season with more eyes on his performance for Frankfurt, get a move to a Premier League club. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things with that. I hit the over two and a half in that one. I was I was biting tooth uh, my uh, nails <laughs> at the end of that game because that was really getting close to that. They didn't score until the 60th minute, I believe, and then. I think the last 10 minutes, they scored two more, so the over finally hit. I know a bunch of people on the network had it. Gabe Morenci, Jared Smith, they both had the over two and a half, so we got lucky there. For me, I, I loved what Leipzig did for me. They really uh, they really helped me out big time. Uh, the game total over three and a half. It was moving up to plus 110 right before the game started. I got a little worrisome, so I didn't, I didn't buy in on that, but I got them at uh, plus 100, so that hit. They just absolutely dominated them. Um, I don't know if you saw Timo Werner's goal. Um, he had so much space. Oh yeah, he, going got, down a, he the... got assisted by the goalie. You, you <laughs> yeah. know when someone gets assisted by the goalie that they uh, that they are are just uh, you know just too fast. Yeah, I know. It looked like Tyreek Hill over the top of the defense when Mahomes sends them a deep ball. It's just no one's within twenty yards, and you're just sitting there to yourself. Okay, well that's that um so they had so many different shots on goals they had a bunch of different guys and and they were wise to rest and take out a lot of their players like Danny Olmo got into the game they took him out around the 65th minute or so they brought in Emil Forsberg um so I don't know how much that affected some DFS lineups but I but I think it it really uh, helps a lot going into this weekend when they face Paderborn because again they're still going to need to pick up these points especially against these lower uh side teams in the league simply because they they're very close with this uh, Champions League race, and they just catapulted themselves back into third. I think they're going to be staying there for the foreseeable future, probably the rest of the season at this point. So for me, I mean, RB Leipzig was just, they're always feeling like the safest play. Even in their one in the first game since returning, they did get a lot of shots off. They didn't get as many goals as they might have liked. Look, at the end of the day, it's so great to, to see all these goals at the end of this because I think it was like a six-goal uh, game for that. So, so it's really great to see all those products. And you talk about players moving them. Um, Upakamenko might be one of the fastest center backs I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, his physical profile is just absolutely absurd. You see why he's rumored to be going around for 60 million yeah, euros. Yeah, I've heard I've heard Arsenal in for him, and I, I think he makes a ton of sense actually as a as an Arsenal player. I think he uh, mm-hmm. he fixed a lot of their issues actually. Yeah, and that's one of the issues that uh, um, I'm going to be worried about when they face off against Man City in the first game back uh, in the Premier League because City's already like minus 280 on the money line. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And that's even with the triple money line, right? Because things get affected with draws and stuff. It's the first game back. Um, Arsenal was playing a bit better defensively since Mikel Arteta arrived as the manager. Obviously, he was coming over from Manchester City. So I think that's something uh, important of note to take care of. But, I mean, Leroy Sané coming back into the fold, he's probably... Probably my favorite Premier League player to watch. Um, so he's going to be off to Bayern Munich from everything that we've seen and, and heard about. Uh, yeah, there's just so many different players. I mean, Kai Havertz again, man. I mean, this kid just keeps on breaking all of these records. 
Um, and then one thing we should probably mention, right? I don't know if you saw the news, Davis, but Timo Werner looks like he's actually going to be on the move to Chelsea now, opposed to Liverpool. Uh, a bunch of different outlets and reporters are reporting that the talks broke down with Liverpool. They really weren't pursuing him as hard as we were led to believe. And now Chelsea's pouncing on it. We know they have I guess an issue of sorts up top. I mean, they don't want to fully rely on Tammy Abraham considering his age and his skill set isn't the greatest. But I mean, look, if Chelsea could sign someone like this, I mean, I'm really looking forward to them uh, even next year um, if we want to go further down the line with that. Yeah, um, I think I think Timo Werner makes loads of sense for them long term as a guy who kind of fits their style of play. Right. Like we, we think that, you know, they really like to uh, they really like to play on the counter. Uh, they they don't always like playing with like a, a hold up guy like Tammy Abraham is actually kind of like a weird style fit for uh, for what they want to do, especially, you know, under Frank Lampard. We, we kind of think that they are actually what's kind of interesting is they kind of are mimicking those city tactics when city breaks. Now, city is so good that we don't think of them as a counter attacking team but actually when City plays against Liverpool when City plays against Bayern Munich when City plays against Spurs they actually kind of turn themselves into a team that tries to transition the ball really quickly Mm -hmm. and I don't know if there would be a better player in the world at turning your team from a possession style team to a counter-attacking team than Timo Werner because you're 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 certainly not signing him you know for for 75 million dollars uh for for his ability to hold the ball up you want him to get behind defenses yeah and that and that's one of the things i think it could be a seamless transition because rb leipzig really likes to keep a high pressure high octane kind of offense and and get off as much as they can and and timo's in great shape for this and and you've seen it again with like the play we were just referencing he sprinted down the line i mean he he was out in a flash and it's not like any of the defenders had a chance i think he's going to get a a good amount of service too with chelsea as well and and there won't be as much pressure that there usually would be if he's going to a a massive team like chelsea because there's a lot of youngsters in there they fit the same profile as him i think he'll be more comfortable and he's embraced the move outside of germany because a lot of a lot of the time that top talents um, that start up in their country's leagues, like, you know, in Italy, Sandro Tonali, for example, would, would be a guy that's going to stay there because he's more comfortable. We don't see all the top talents in England and Spain leave their countries. Timo would be one of the first ones, and you would have thought he would have gone to Liverpool simply because Jurgen Klopp there uh, with the German connection. But, I mean, I mean, this is a hell of a coup for Chelsea, especially after not having any transfers available to them. They didn't move much in January either. They just rolled with this younger squad. And now, I mean, they're not younger, essentially, with this, but they're sticking to this philosophy. And it's really worked for them because a lot of people, including myself, didn't see them reaching a Champions League spot. I thought they were going to be in a Europa League spot and then eventually build off of it and add in the transfer market. But now, this is such a savvy move. This isn't. This is going to cost them less than Christian Pulisic did last year. And the fact that he's more seasoned than Christian was coming into uh, Chelsea going into next season, I mean, look out for them, man, because because at the end of the day, I think that's the team that is, you should really look out for. And I think they'll probably finish top three at this rate, depending on their other moves in the market. But anything else that that you're kind of looking forward to in some of, some of these other leagues, do you expect to see a lot of goals in, in a La Liga of sorts right away, or do you expect it to be a little rusty? Oh man, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this. Uh, I'm hoping that these that this trend that we've gotten in the 
German Bundesliga, which is, uh, seems like the defenses aren't prepared. Seems like the offenses are kind of having their way with defenses. That's really what I want to see. I also, I mean, I think we got to say, we got to be excited for a legit title race that's happening in La Liga. 27 games played, 58 points for Barcelona, 56 points for Real Madrid, plus 32 goal differential for Barcelona, plus 30 goal differential for Real Madrid. Like, this is... Like, that, like, it's awesome, right? Like, we're going to get to see a legit title race there. Uh, you know, not going to be not going to be a legit title race in England, not going to be one um, in Germany. But it at least, it, you know, it's at least exciting uh, to have one title race during all of this. Yeah, because they both had their stretches where they were playing so well and then they kind of hit a, a little, um, you know, fork in the road, uh, so to say. I mean, when Messi went down earlier in the season, Barcelona was struggling and then Real Madrid... Certain times they just don't get the goal scoring that they need to win some of these games. Their defense has been really good, but I, I think they're still hurting because uh, Luka Jovic was just kind of a flop for them this year uh, coming over from Frankfurt. So you thought he could have done more there. They're still young everywhere, which is kind of funny because we're so used to Real Madrid paying up for all the top talent that are already proven veterans. Now they're kind of going on the younger side, but all the top talents... Fede Valverde is one of them. Vinicius Jr. is another kid to watch. I think he's amazing. I think he's going to really prove to be one of the top youngsters in the world when he comes back. That's a kid to look out for. But yeah, I, I picked Real Madrid plus 160 um, prior to El Clasico coming um, for that. I think they're around plus 135 as of recently on FanDuel, or it might have been plus 190. We'll put, we'll put it up on the screen right there. It's plus 135. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that and more when we come back here on the free kick, everybody. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Free Kick. Martino Puccio and Davis Maddock with you here. We're getting in our second segment of the day, Davis. We're going to continue talking about all these leagues returning. We're going to stick with La Liga, who we were just discussing before the break there. Um, some DFS players we could potentially be looking out for um, that were kind of high profile towards the end of the break uh, before COVID hit. Uh, Martin Odegaard was one of the players that really shined this part of the season um he just exploded onto the scene we knew how high profiled he was going into real madrid he was one of the top and coveted youngsters in the world i was a little flaky on it at first because of real madrid's reputation it's kind of like chelsea that it's not the greatest environment to go into strictly coming from a much lower league side um where he was coming from moving up to the biggest club in the world it's a lot of pressure at that age um they loan him out and he's just been absolutely unbelievable. And he's been one of the stars of the league this year. And he's got the potential to actually finish a team of the year in La Liga, too. Um, so tell me tell me what you think about him. Tell me about some other guys that you have your eye on, too. Yeah, Martin Odegaard, so kind of, a, kind of an interesting guy because he was, he was a guy who made 
the like world like you know he was on espn he was on everyone knew who he was when he was what 16 years old he was the the most expensive teen he was the most expensive teenager ever purchased by a la liga team you know uh, barcelona wanted him uh probably i would imagine manchester city wanted him at the time and uh you know it just because soccer is a really hard game and it's also really hard at his position so you know if you've never watched martin odegaard play he is like kind of like it, so similar in Norway, mid, similar to Kai Havertz, where he's playing recently. Yeah, he was like a winger in Norway because um, in uh, in the Tippeligaen, which is the the Norwegian Premiership, he was a winger because he was not going to get bullied by uh, you know big junk, uh, big you know giant strong defensemen out there. Uh, it took him a while to transition positions to playing purely in the center. Uh, he was loaned from Real Madrid to uh, Vitesse in the Eredivisie, which is the Dutch. Uh, top flight and he was incredible for them so he played uh, about 3,000 minutes for them had 12 assists nine goals was one of the highest rated players on who scored in the entire league returned to play for Real Sociedad this season and you know Real Sociedad is a is a good team historically speaking in terms of La Liga they are not a fourth place in La Liga team I, I actually don't know if Real Sociedad has ever made the Champions League in their club's history so right now, as we are getting ready to return from break, they are fourth in the table, 46 points, one point behind Sevilla. Um, they have a plus 12 goal differential. And of course, Martin Odegaard is not the only reason that they're there, but it's very hard in soccer to take a, the next step up as a team without a superstar player. And Odegaard is, you know, for sure um, a superstar player for them. Because if you look at the rest of Real Sociedad's roster, it's like Mikel Marino. He was a guy who was cast off from um, Borussia Dortmund. He was, uh, he literally was like not good enough to be their fifth central midfielder. Uh, Mikel Ozer. O-R is a ball. I can't, I can't say his last name. It's a very specific boss. I'm not going to try it <laughs> Yeah. He's from a, he's from a very specific, um, a very specific region of, uh, the Bosque region in Spain. So, uh, mm -hmm. not sure of his name, but yeah, like they, ha they have just a bunch of fine players, not a bunch There's of great Adnan players. Januzai too, former Manchester United youngster. That's uh there we go. Was, was yeah. such a big name too. Isak is another kid, um, that's probably returning to Dortmund. Um, mm -hmm. depending on what their situation is there too. You never know with them. They could easily flip Holland for 80 million euros at the end of the day. Like that's how they do business sometimes. But Odegaard, yeah, I, I love the way you explained it, right? Just chronologically his um, transition over from Norway to Real Madrid and then they bring him out to Holland. Holland is probably, for my money, besides Germany, the best place to develop youngsters, right? You could argue Portugal is as well for for leagues that are really competitive and have quality, but also allow their youngsters to grow. And I, I thought it was a, is a great move for him there. And then he takes a little bit of a step up, come back to La Liga, Real Sociedad, like you mentioned, not the biggest club in the world, but a club that you can definitely um, gain some experience at. And it looks like the next step is to go and compete for a starting 11 position with Real Madrid, which, I mean, in and of itself is one of the most difficult things to do. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, so for him to go there and, and even worst case, like say he gets flipped again, I think his price tags around 40 million euros, 40 million pounds. It, it varies depending on the sources you look at, but that that's another guy, man. I mean, look at this. It's, it's just really great to see these talents, um, come into the fold because Alan Halilovic, I don't know if you know who he was. He was a Barcelona youngster. Um, 
they they traded for him when they got Danny Olmo when Danny Olmo was coming up uh, through uh, Barcelona and they switched him over and Danny Olmo was in the Croatian league and he just signed for RB Leipzig and Halilovic is just all over the map he was with AC Milan and now he's just a nobody so like these guys can disappear very fast and I know everyone everyone loves to point to Freddie Adu when you look at America over here I mean he was supposed to be America's Pele but I mean he's 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 a nobody now and um so look it's it's great to see players like that um the Champions League race as well for for La Liga is just so close it's so interesting to see because at the end of the day, we didn't know if these leagues were going to finish out, right? We thought that UEFA was just UEFA told these leagues, "Hey, you guys can just decide on your standings at the end of the day if you if you want to return or not to return." I mean, look how close this is. Atletico Madrid 45 points, Getafe 46 points, Real Sociedad as you mentioned 46 points. That's all just for that spot. Valencia is not even that far back with the 42 points as well, and they're very capable. They they caused some trouble in the Champions League as well. Uh they won their cup tournament not too long ago when they beat Barcelona in the final. I mean, there's just so many competitive teams. For my money, this is still, on its best day, La Liga is the best league in the world, you could argue. Well, currently yeah, this so year, I think so. They have, because they have a great mix of, they have the top-end talent. You know, they have Lionel Messi, um, you know, and they have uh, all of the amazing players on the Real Madrid roster. So Kareem Benzema and Gareth Bale and Luka Modric and Tony Cruz, who like, you know, maybe maybe you are, are not of the style of person that loves what, what Tony Cruz and Luka Modric do, but I think they are, you know, fantastic players. Even even guys like Nabil Fakir, who was, uh, you know, supposed to be the, the Bobby Firmino replacement at Liverpool until his knees basically were unable to pass physical. But, you know, he's a fantastic player, Real Madrid and Barcelona, always going to be competitive in the Champions League. But also, you know, they just have deeper down like they just have more talented you know teams down the table and it's because of the way the academy systems work in uh in spain which is just you know it's so hyper focused on a team style you know kind of regardless of who the coach is you know real madrid always is going to play really attacking football barcelona is always going to play really possession heavy football villarreal is always going to play really good solid defensive football and that's they like and we actually see this in american sports too but organizations that have you know, organizations that have really solid, um, you know, a, a really Antonio solid Spurs foundation. Great example. great example. Yeah, if you have a, a foundation that goes from the owner down to the players, it's just so much easier yeah. to be competitive, and so many teams in La Liga have that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could, for, for easier comparisons for our American audience, the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL is, a, is another one. They know the specific type of player that they want to sign to their organization. I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots. That's, uh, you know, I think that's a Belichick thing. I'm not, we'll see afterwards. I mean, the Steelers, the same thing as well. It's just teams like that. You're right. They they know their identity. And even with Barcelona and the La Masia school that Johan Cruyff created and really turned it into the best academy in the world, they do a lot of video footage and, and visual learning for a lot of these youngster, uh, young players that they have in the academy. They show them visibly where they should be standing on the field, what types of space they sh- that they should be taking up, where to pass the ball in certain situations. It's all the little things that they do, 
and, and you're right. It, it comes up from all those stuff. And, and even then, they're so savvy with the with the market too, right? Even if they sell guys, they're selling them for a ton of money. Look at Atletico Madrid's another one. You know, all the strikers that they've had come and gone there. Diego Forlan, Sergio Aguero went to Renamel Falcao, um, and, and then so on and so forth that, that they have. And even Griezmann leaving and Diego Costa, other guys. I mean, it's just a cycle of how they're able to just bring these guys in have him going. Jao Felix, uh, unfortunately, he's injured. We don't know what his situation will be when he comes back. Atletico has really struggled offensively. I know they just knocked Liverpool out of the Champions League, so it's kind of funny to be talking about him like this. But are you staying away from Atletico, especially when this return is coming on? Are you eyeing more so their defensive players? Jan Oblak is just probably the best goalkeeper uh, in the world at the moment in terms of form. Um, so is there anyone that you're kind of off on Atletico and on? So, uh, they are, I I think actually the worst team ever for daily fantasy. Uh, (laughs) they, they, they don't cross, uh, they don't shoot very much. They don't even really try and score goals all that often. Uh, it feels like, it feels like almost an accident if they have a game where (laughs) they score multiple goals. The, the ideal, uh, Diego Simeone game is, uh, you know, Diego Costa or uh, Jao Felix or whoever his his striker is. Morata, uh, you know, whenever he decides to show up. Yeah, Alvaro Morata. Yeah, he put the, that guy puts his back into a defender, receives the ball, and uh, and 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 then you know uh, sends his defender the wrong way, turns around, puts it in the net, and then they spend they spend the rest of the game, um, you know, just trying to hold on. And Very and physical. that is, yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine for them. But it's uh, it's it's not a style of talk. It's not a style of of footy that is super conducive for daily fantasy, basically. Yeah, and and even just regular betting too. I I loved all the moves that they made on paper coming into the season. They were plus twelve hundred to win La Liga, so I figured that's definitely something that I want to spend my money on. And then I mean, they're sitting where they're sitting, and has to a lot to do probably with the roster overhaul. There's so many interchangeable parts that were happening uh, within that. Uh, Lucas Hernandez, Diego Godin leaving. Those are two major defensive pieces that they don't have anymore that really affected them. Jao Felix, they spend all that money. You could tell like he still looks like a kid. Kylian Mbappe, the reason why he is so talented and, and considered generational is that his physical ability has already met up with his mental side at such a young age. And that is why the difference is already showing there for Zhao Felix. He can't be putting on like, you know, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle at, at, at the beginning here because he, he really needs to ease into that. He can't just bulk up like that. So he's going to be getting bullied off of the ball. He's going to get a lot of muscular injuries at the moment. And, and we've seen that. Thank God it wasn't a tear in any ligaments for him. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, I could only imagine how frustrating they must be on DFS because they were frustrating with uh, gambling and betting purposes. Um, any other teams or players that you're looking forward to in La Liga before we head out here? Uh, not a, not any team that I'm super interested in. Uh, Roberto, Roberto Rosales is, uh, just a really fun fantasy player. He takes corner kicks, um, for his team and he is, uh, you know, one of those mid price defenders that we really like. I just, I love, uh, I love defenders that take corner kicks and penalty kicks and stuff, you know, uh, like, like Roberto Carlos did back in the day. Those <laughs> oh, guys yeah. are the best. Yeah, they are. By the way, how much do you hate short corners? <laughs> 
I am I I get my blood boils when I see them pop up all the time. It's just it's really illogical and it never ever made sense to me unless you're trying to waste time. Your best bet is always trying to send the ball inside of the box and giving yourself a chance to score a goal. When you're doing these short corners, they have to be taking very quickly and catching the team off guard, right? I mean, it, 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 I could only imagine how frustrating it must be for you in DFS. It's just me as a fan watching it. So we'll talk it, about there, that. There's some nothing more frustrating. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that some more when we come back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, everybody, welcome back into the free kick segment three. Martino Puccio, Davis Maddock here with you. We're getting into the Premier League, the most popular league in the world, but we're not going to be talking about the Premier League specifically because Liverpool won the league, right? We're just really worrying about the Champions League spots being decided, and there's so many different teams that could be potentially in the mix for that. Manchester United, you would think it's the worst season of all time for them, only three points out of fourth place. So it's so it really shows the competitiveness of the league. The best odds that we could look for and try and get is the FA Cup odds. So right now, Manchester City is the favorite for that at minus 155, and then there is a massive gap. Manchester United at plus 700, Chelsea coming in at plus 800, Leicester City plus 8 800 as well and then Arsenal at plus 850. I don't know if you'd like to sprinkle something on Sheffield United's defense at plus 1600. Man City the heavy favorite. I kind of understand where um, the odds makers are coming from here because they don't really have a lot to play for at this point. They could go for a double with potentially winning the Champions League later on in the year and then eventually with Manchester City winning the FA Cup uh, as well. I definitely see something See, this is something that they just focus all their energy into, right? Because they know they're most likely making the Champions League. They're not going to catch Liverpool. So right now, their sole focus could be on this. Do you agree with this? For sure. Yeah, I mean, Guardiola, he, uh, he guy loves to win. Guy wants to, uh, you know, he really wants to win titles. That's uh, that's really his uh, his whole thing. And I just I just don't know what uh, what his title did, like wh- why even be a coach why even return from coronavirus at all if you're not wanting to win the FA Cup because he's not gonna he's not gonna win the league we know we know they're they're not gonna win the league it's at this point it's it's almost a statistical impossibility uh, Liverpool almost has it entirely uh, uh, clinched at this point it's been so long since we've been talking about sports I've even forgotten words like qu- like clinched and uh, and you know all of those all of those uh, dynamic action words that we get with uh with sports so yeah i i i really could not agree more i also think this um this plays into liverpool's favor in the league just in the sense of like they don't have to worry about anything they uh they're gonna roll into their their covid shelters and they're gonna win the league and they're gonna party and that's gonna be that's gonna be great for them and they're not gonna have to sweat it at all yeah i mean look this will also be the first modern time premier league title since it revamped up in the 90s for liverpool which is absolutely insane they have 18 league titles outside of that this will be their first one we know how close they were a couple years ago when they had Luis Suarez they probably win the Premier League if he doesn't decide to uh, bite Ivanovic because he was absolutely unreal that season um because he was just scoring goals left and right headers outside of the penalty area he was just insane and then Steven Gerrard had that unfortunate slip against Chelsea that ended up costing them the title there so 
They finally run away with this. I think they were fortunate that Manchester City had a lot of injury issues at the beginning of the season, um, whether it's Leroy Sané missing time. Their defensive back four was just absolutely just a in mess. shambles. Yeah, it's just a mess. And I was stunned that they were able to pull off the victory against Real Madrid there. Kevin De Bruyne, my money, he's the best midfielder in the world. I don't think he's really left that up for the debate. I think he's far and away the best Belgian player in the world as well. You wouldn't have thought that with Eden Hazard and all that he's done on Chelsea. Um, Ever since coming back from Wolfsburg, he set the assist record there, which Jaden Sancho and, and um, Thomas Mueller are very close to potentially breaking. I think it was 21 assists is what he set at Wolfsburg. So he's coming back over after he failed at Chelsea. I mean, look... This guy can take over a game at any given time, and I think he would be one of the main reasons as to why they could lift this FA Cup. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, like, okay, let's be honest. They are probably a better team than Liverpool, right? You go you go position by position, day, sure. you say, okay, what... Yeah, like, they, they, they really do just seem to probably be... Um, a little bit better. Like I, I think Kevin De Bruyne is better than you know than Mane, than Salah, than Firmino. Um, I, I think actually if you look at if you look at the midfield overall, I think Manchester City has a huge advantage. Where where Liverpool was better than them this season was in the back, right? So Joe Gomez. I mean Virgil Van Dijk is the best center back in the world. Maybe maybe the best center back we've seen since you know uh, Beckenbauer, right? We're just like he has complete. Oh, he's control. not better than Baresi. For me, like, yeah, I mean the Italians. Well, there's, the Italians there's, like I, I would backs. say I say he's probably the best since Nesta at his peak. Sure, Alessandro Nesta, yeah. Fabio Cannavaro, like those guys for sure. The way his season last year was just absurd, and he's he's kind of tried to keep it to that same level this season, but it's really hard to keep it at that standard that he had. But you're right. I mean, they're they're two fullbacks as well. I mean, how much money has Manchester City spent? On their fullbacks, I mean, they're spending more than NASA does on an annual basis trying to get these guys to work out. Kyle Walker, Jao Cancelo was someone who's absolutely done nothing for them, and they spent around 50 million pounds and euros for this guy to come in, and he hasn't done all that much. And I totally agree on the midfield. I think the midfield, it's not even a conversation to be had at this point. And the attack, I think the attack, look, when, when Leroy Sané is in there, I think it completely changes the ball game and the conversation for this. And then Kuniguero. He's probably the best goal scorer since Thierry Henry in, in, in the Premier League, right? I mean, you could go up there with, like, Wayne Rooney at a certain point. Carlos Tevez was otherworldly, too. But, I mean, just the, the rate that he scores at is just so unbelievable. And for, as a fellow short person at 5'6", I love what he's been doing for, for uh, the short guys out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Manchester City at 155, is there anyone else that you would kind of consider... I mean, these are pretty big numbers here. Chelsea plus 800. United, I'm not too sure on United for this. They've been playing well. They've beaten City a couple of times now. So it's not something that's, you know, out of the ordinary for them that can't happen. Um, But I I don't know. I I would keep it to United, Chelsea, and Leicester. The others for me, I don't really see any scenario in that they could lift the trophy here. Um, I really actually, I really like this for Leicester. Leicester has um, just the, the perfect game for the FA Cup, right? They, they play smash and grab. They have a really deep squad so they can rotate in between games, which, it, you know, it feels crazy to say a team like Leicester that doesn't have a huge budget would have a, a deep team or something like that, right? We'd be thinking, oh, United's got to have a deep team. Like United's 20th best player would be the fourth best player on Leicester. And that's not true at all. Um, United is a team that, 
that is is like cycling through like academy guys in the midfield basically because you know uh, guys like Fred have been super disappointing like they keep you know whoever is coaching that team keeps turning over to Scott McTominay who's like the 97th best defensive midfielder in the world you know and he just <laughs> keeps getting minutes for Manchester United I think the one thing you could argue for United is Pogba will probably be back healthy. Yeah. Rashford will be healthy. Martial will be healthy. And those guys are like virtuoso performers at their position. We're like, if those guys were at Real Madrid, if those guys were at Manchester City, if those guys were at Juventus, whatever, they would be getting minutes. They would be starting for the best clubs in the world. And, you know, maybe over the course of four games or whatever, those guys all have individual moments of brilliance that that brings a title to United. Yeah, I, and, and that's the thing, though. I think that's kind of where their transfer market has kind of shifted lately. You know, Aaron Juan Bissaka is, is one. Um, Bruno Fernandez that they got in January. They're making yeah, these Bruno big money, is very good. Yeah, they're making these big money purchases, and they're just plugging them into the lineup instead of kind of going with this philosophy of like, okay, let's get five to six guys around the $20 million price tag, and then we're going to plug them in on all these different places in the lineup. They tried doing that. That didn't work out for them. Now they're doing, you know, Pogba is a ton of money. Um, Fernandez is a ton of money. Wambasaka, like we discussed, and they eventually sold Lukaku, and I do think they need to figure out that number nine situation because I don't think Martial is a long-term guy to have there. Um, Rashford, too, that's a great point. That injury almost cost them their season there, right? Because they handled that injury situation very poorly, almost as bad as the Philadelphia 76ers handle almost every single injury um, that they have coming across for them. But look, I, I, I think you're right there. I think Manchester United, on their best day, here have an opportunity Leicester City again man no one saw them doing this Brendan Rodgers coming over from Celtic uh you thought he was kind of done for after he left for Liverpool and the title that I was referencing to that they lost he was the manager for that one and then all of a sudden he has Leicester in this hunt and and they're probably going to be making Champions League until something crazy would happen and and Jamie Vardy again man one of the greatest stories in sports for a lot of people that don't know came from absolutely nowhere to winning the title with Leicester City which is still probably the best sports story of our lifetime 5,000 we'll odds. never we'll never see anything like it ever no again. no no because because the funny thing about this so i'll get your take on this too because i discussed it with kevin walsh and like other people that really aren't into the whole soccer thing I always compare the miracle on ice team 1980 right and, and and for a lot of people i get where it's coming from right but that was a few games this was over 38 games in the toughest league in the world where they have almost every single possible disadvantage that you could have but somehow they come up and, and win the league. And, and it's funny because Spurs are just sitting there. They think it could have been their time to finally lift the trophy after, I don't know, it's been decades for them. Probably prior since the Miracle on Ice was the last time that they won a major trophy. But, I mean, come on, 5,001 odds for that. And for them to be here again after the tragic loss of their owner last year in a helicopter crash, you know, things can go in flux. We see how important ownership is all the time. But they've stayed the course, and now they're having another fantastic season. I mean, how crazy would it be if they end up winning this FA Cup, too? Because it would just It's another improbable thing if they were to pull it off. Yeah, it would be, you know, it would just be absolutely incredible if they were able to pull it off. I, I don't even... Um, you know, it, they're, they certainly would like to win it. Right. And, and I think, uh, the, the scheduling stuff will be interesting, like how yeah. they balance scheduling the FA cup versus teams that are still playing meaningful matches in the league. Right. Because the matches for Leicester are still going to be meaningful in terms of like, you know, that's so much money for them. If they're able oh, to get God. back into the champions league, like that's, that's, uh, that's Jamie Vardy's replacement right there. They'll be able, they'll be able to buy, you know, uh, whatever, you know, 22 year old striker from, from Italy or, you know, Victor Oshiman from, from Los Cleal or something like that. Like they'll be able to <laughs> set themselves yeah. up. They'll be 
able to set themselves up in the future. And uh, if they miss out, if they miss out on that spot, they are going to feel terrible. They're going to they're going to be like, wow, we we let this chance slip through. So, you know, I, I would imagine the league is more important to Leicester, but it still would be a really cool story to see them win this. Yeah, and again, they would they would face off against Chelsea. They haven't determined all the dates for this. Um, Newcastle gets Man City in that. Norwich against Manchester United. That's probably a fun DFS play for you that I'm sure you're looking at. Sheffield United versus Arsenal. Man, that actually looks like a snooze fest, so I'm probably not going to be betting or watching that game at all. Um, yeah, look, and, and the thing is, you mentioned the money aspect of it all. Champions League is so important for so many teams because, again, I think we discussed it last week with Lyon and all the financial hardships that they're going to have now because they were in the running for potentially getting that Champions League spot. They're not getting into the Champions League because Ligue 1 decided that their season was over and they're left out there and they're potentially going to have to sell a bunch of guys, one of them including Memphis Depay, who is coming off a torn ACL. So they really don't have a lot of leverage in conversations in terms of getting the exact price that they would want for them. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's a little too safe with Manchester City at 155. I'll probably bet on them to win it. I do see them winning it, but at the end of the day, when you can get odds on teams like, you know, plus 700 and plus 800 with Chelsea and Leicester City, I mean, I think that's something worth betting on only because we have just them potential, a hedge potential situation here where the odds could drop so significantly that you're getting plus 700 and Manchester City looks awful in their one game and they're somehow bounced for whatever reason. I, I think there's some value there. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Yeah, I would I would rather um, in these situations, you know, bet a, a larger team earlier on. And then, you know, if we are if we're sitting there and we're looking at, you know, it's, it's one game away. We're at the we're at the quarterfinal. We're at the semifinal or whatever, you know, and I mean, even in that final game, you know what we think uh, City will be minus 200. So in terms of like the theoretical odds you're making, just uh, just won't even be that big of a deal. But we're going to go ahead and head into break here on the free kick. See you guys in just a few minutes. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Free Kick final segment of the day. Martino Puccio, Davis Maddock. I was so eager to finally get to talk some Serie A football because it has been forever since I've been able to talk about it. Um, it's been in the typical situation, Davis, where Juventus is in prime position to win the league. Lazio made it uh, uh, close for a little while, and then the break happened. We know Ciro Immobile has just been on this goal-scoring rampage that we really haven't seen since Higuain broke the goal-scoring record that was standing for almost 50 years. An interesting fact uh, for a lot of people that don't know, there's only been uh, two goal scorers since the 1960s. 60s to score over 30 goals in Serie A. That's been Luca Toni and Gonzalo Higuain for them. I mean, it, and there's been a ton of great strikers that have come and gone through this league. Ibrahimovic in his prime was one of them. Uh, Brazilian Ronaldo, Marco Van Basten, all these guys unable to get 30 goals. Davis, Thierry Mobile was in the mid-20s at this point, and there's still 12 games left for all these teams to play. Um, I mean, this this is realistic here for him to catch this. Has he been the MVP of the DFS fantasy season for Italy? 
Uh, I think you could you could say Chiro, or you could. Uh, I I actually think the Roma guys because they're so consistent with their fantasy points. So, you know, Alexander Kolarov, uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, uh, some of those some of those guys for Roma. Too bad actually, got hurt. Yeah, Zoniolo, uh, Nicolo Zaniolo, uh, very, very young kid uh, from plays, you know, center attacking midfielder, right winger, actually kind of like Martin Odegaard, who we were talking about <laughs> earlier in the show. Uh, very, very similar play styles there for for those two guys. But, you know, what, what's, what I find so interesting about um, Italy is 12 games less than the season and Juventus is not minus one million to win the title. There is theoretically a path left for Lazio to claim the Serie A title this year. I, I I probably would not bet on them at plus 250, but those seem like fair odds and certainly, you know, not odds that we expect to see late in this season, right? Generally, by this point in the season, uh, you know, Napoli or AC Milan or Inter Milan or ha- has uh, has their, their title challenge has faded away. Yeah, and the funny thing is that um, there's a lot of different scenarios in this, right? Juventus, the whole philosophy and drive at this point in recent years has been the Champions League, right? They haven't won it since the mid to late 90s. They won everything they could win in Italy. It's, the domestic dominance is just absurd. It's compared to the to the Yankees in the late 90s or whatever, the Patriots dominance as well. Um, that's how ridiculous they've been. So the fact that they don't really have to focus on Champions League right now means they could just focus strictly on Serie A. And if they could do that, then they're just going to pull away like this. And I, I don't see a scenario in which they could do so. I think Inter actually has a lot more value than Lazio does at this point. Inter's plus 1,200 to end up winning Serie A. And one of the things I say this for is that Antonio Conte teams usually tire out at the end of the year, right? He's very similar to Tom Thibodeau that we were discussing prior to going on the air, is that Tom Thibodeau really plays a, a certain rotation of guys. It's very limited. He doesn't use his, his bench that much. And he really drives guys into the ground. And they get tired at the end of the season. Sometimes it costs them trophies, costs them Champions League trophies, sometimes a title with Chelsea, um, for example, is another one. But the fact that they had this unprecedented break, they have a lot of guys coming back from injury. Sensi as well. Maybe they incorporate uh, Christian Eriksen a lot better than they did when they got him back in January. I think they have the potential to do this. But at the end of the day, Juventus beating them twice each time that they faced them. And again, it's really hard to bet against uh, Bayern, uh, Juventus, against them in the league until you see it happen. I know it's mm-hmm. really lazy. I know it's it's something that a lot of people don't like to buy into because it's not the greatest analysis in the world. But at the end of the day, you can't really bet against something that you haven't seen before. So for me, it, there, there really isn't that much to look forward to in terms of the futures for this league. You're probably better off taking Juve now if you want to take them because it's only going to go up, in my opinion, because Cristiano Ronaldo on more rest. I mean, come on now. Is there anything else you can say at that point? So for me... Look, it's Juventus's title to lose, but in terms of DFS, I'm sure you love Atalanta, right? I mean, at the, oh, at yeah. the end of the day, they're just, they totally break all the rules, man, for Serie A. It's just always a defensive league. They they want to play Catenaccio, which is just counterattacking football, uh, make you pay for the mistakes you made. But for them, it's high pressing, scoring as many goals as you can. Um, so tell me, what do you what do you love about them? Papu Gomez, uh, Ilicic, Duvan Zapata. I mean, there's so many different guys that you could look towards on this team that they they're able to just plug them in as well. And I know Luis Muriel stepped up in, in the absence of Zapata too. Yeah, I mean, jo- Joseph Ilicic is. Uh, if if none of you guys have ever got to watch him play, he's kind of like. Uh... 
kind of, you know, just tall and lanky and, uh, you know, just kind of moves defenders around where he wants and he'll, he'll shoot from anywhere. You know, he will, he will put the ball, uh, wherever, wherever, like if he's, if he's 20 yards out and he thinks he's got a, a clear shot at goal, he puts it in there. And, you know, Papu Gomez is kind of the exact opposite, you know, small, small guy, uh, you know, just really fast, really nimble on the ball. Kind of surprising, actually, that he has not found uh, a home in the Premier League at any point because he is he would be a, a really good fit there in terms of a guy who can just really, you know, really intelligently cycle the ball around and uh, and, you know, takes corner kicks, takes free, takes uh, set pieces and does a really good uh, does a really good job on those. So I I, I do really like them. Uh, I also love uh, I love teams that play with wingbacks and really give mm-hmm. those wingbacks the freedom to attack. Like nothing worse than watching a team with wingbacks that ask those guys to do nothing but uh, to do nothing but defend. So I, I really mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Hans Hadebauer from the Netherlands and uh, I don't I don't know his, I don't know the right back's first name. Um, Goosens. He's from, Goosens, he's from yeah, Germany. Right. I think Goosens. Robert Goosens. Yeah, yeah. He's been unbelievable. Yeah. He's probably been the best fullback in the league this year. Um, yeah. I know Teo Hernandez uh, for AC Milan has probably the best goal scoring rate out of all left backs um, in the league. I think he gets a goal like every couple hundred minutes, and that's that's really astronomical for a fullback. Um, it's really tra- yeah. the, the position of fullback has really transitioned um, much differently than what it was um, back in the day because they just used to ask you to defend and push up when it was asked of you, but now it's mm-hmm. just like keep the full press on. And, and Liverpool's probably the best example of it, right? Andrew Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold are guys that just, you know, high volume of crosses inside the box. Get them in there. Try try to give yourself some more goal-scoring opportunities, and that's kind of where Atalanta fits as well. Any other teams or players in the league that um, catch your eye? I mean, it is, uh, for, for people who have not watched Roma, uh, they were they were a, a really fun team to watch in the uh in the Europa League this year, they are uh, they are I think uh, you know a really interesting team. So people will uh, people will probably remember Edin Dzeko from his time at uh, Manchester City. He was uh, he he was there with um, Mario oh, Balotelli. I, Mario Balotelli, but they had they had Tevez. another. Tevez, yeah, I mean, they just had they had a load of good guys, and Ed and Jekko now is kind of you know transitioned into being a uh, a complimentary style player, but also Napoli not as fun now that they have different coaching, but. Their front line with the interchanging, so they have uh, Lorenzo Insigne, Dries Mertens, and Jose Callahan, who kind of do the Manchester City style, Liverpool style, you know, front three, and you know, all of them are moving in different directions, and they're they're switching positions, they're taking up each other's positions, they are you know getting insane amounts of of shots on goal per game. Like I, I just think I think that uh, Napoli is probably a really underrated team from the American audience. Yeah, they, they really are. You know who's a big fan of them, by the way? I don't know if you know this. Chad Ochocinco is a huge fan of Napoli, actually. So it's one of the more random things. I think he loved picking them up on FIFA and playing with them. But yeah, but you're right, though. Gennaro Gattuso, who took over, he was coaching AC Milan last year. He's a very defensive style and minded coach, very different from Sarri, who was with Napoli, now at Juventus and, and Chelsea formerly, where he had that real attacking style of football. Arcadius Milik is, is a guy for them I think you could depend upon from time to time, but he's really really inconsistent he has injury issues he's torn his ACL a couple of times as well um but Napoli I think this break serves him well because they were having a a big time season in terms of turmoil having a lot of 
sleep away camps, if you will, to try and get the team morale back up. So hopefully they figure those things out and uh, we'll see there with uh, Serie A. But to end this segment in the show, we wanted to look forward to some Bundesliga picks and games for this weekend. Davis, what do you have? Uh, well, the first team that I like is you can get Eintracht Frankfurt at plus money to win their game this week. I just continue to be impressed by them. I think that the betting markets are are really not adequately handling how good of a team they have been. You know, Mainz is bad. Like, Mainz are, are just not a good team at all. They, they can't generate any attack. They seem leaky at the back. Uh, they've missed their last two penalties with um, Mark Uth, you know, uh, just, just messing things up. And actually, now their, their, you know, most active player, their player who's involved the most on offense, Mark Uth, has now been uh, demote, like, uh, or, or suffered a, a soft tissue injury and uh, was not even in the 18-man squad last week. So, I think Eintracht Frankfurt is just absolutely massive there is probably probably my favorite bet of the week yeah that i mean i i could definitely see that happening andre silva is finally getting into some form uh, he, he scored the header uh the other day when they were playing so that that was nice to see there um i i agree with you i think they play well in stretches and, and there is some value there to take on them and um look they were they still have to fight off not completely but there is a scenario in which they have to worry about relegation a little bit. So I don't think they're going to be taking their foot off the gas anytime soon. And speaking of taking their foot off the gas, I mean, Bayern Munich and uh, Bayern Leverkusen for me is definitely an interesting matchup this go around simply because of the implications for Leverkusen in this, right? I mean, we always reference how important it is to make Champions League. And I think that factors into a lot of these games here. And for Bayern Munich, you you have to wonder to a certain extent how much they're going to take this seriously. Like, how much are they going to play Robert Lewandowski at this point? Is is there a scenario where they're kind of just saying to themselves, hey, we don't really want to push the pedal to the metal that much? Do we want to go that hard for 90 minutes? Do we want to keep our guys somewhat rested for the potential return of the Champions League? Because they're primed to potentially win their sixth one, um, which would tie with Liverpool all time for third. So, I mean, there is a scenario that they could take their foot off the gas there. I have a minus 110 to win the first half. I do think there is a scenario as well that they could have this game total under three and a half goals simply because these teams are going to be playing really tight to each other. Um, But the thing is this, the scenario I see it going over three and a half is if Bayern Munich gets out early because then Leverkusen is going to have to press and try and score as much as they can. If that happens, then that leaves their defense open and Lewandowski is going to make them pay. Alfonso Davies is going to make them pay. If they get Thiago back this weekend, it could spell doom for them. So I think that's a matchup I've been looking forward to. Uh, Anything else uh, for you? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I just think that match is going to be really great because it matters a ton for Bayer Leverkusen. Does not matter that much for uh, does not matter that much at all. I, I one other bet I like is Hoffenheim against Fortuna Dusseldorf. So Dusseldorf is you know just kind of your your classic relegation fodder team Hoffenheim has loads of guys who are going to be you know really good professional soccer players and have been really good professional soccer players for for a long time so I will uh, I will definitely be um, taking that side of that game and pretty pretty good price you know because we think that the home and road hasn't mattered that much so mm-hmm. plus 152 for Hoffenheim in that game I I really like it yeah I mean anytime you could have a scenario where you get where you're feeling really good against a relegation side plus 152 you're not going to really get that in a lot of places especially considering the triple money line that you get with draws um and, and um 
sorry, wins and losses. Um, I know both teams to score is an interesting one as well and results. So I, I think that is something to always keep an eye on. I know I was discussing that with Munch and Gladback. But Davis, that is going to take it uh, for the end of this show. Thank you so much once again. Always a fun time here. Stay safe, everyone. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.